it's a me, a Mario. Uh, oh my God, I can't with you. That's all you get. <laughs> okay. And that's <laughs> more than I ever needed or wanted. Thank y'all. This is Growing Up Millennial, a podcast about all that media that we loved in the 90s and early aughts. I'm Helene, a quintessential millennial who loved media so much she made a career out of it. Oh, and also I'm one of your hosts. <laughs> I'm Adri, one of your other hosts and a geriatric millennial who grew up in a tropical island. Well, Helene, how are you? I am doing much better, actually. Usually when it gets colder and darker outside, that's when the depression sets in. I'm getting the opposite effect at the moment. So, hey, I'm going to ride that wave. <laughs> I I do too. Like I get like a little bit like, you know, a little like aw, introspective or whatever. But you know what? I've been looking forward to the drop in temperature so fucking much that I'm just thrilled. <laughs> I am thrilled at this drop in temperature and no more like 24-7 sun. Like, Texas, this is not Alaska. Come on. Yeah, and I know we're recording this way before it goes live, but just for context, listeners, uh, this last weekend was, from recording time, was Daylight Savings ending, and I definitely needed and enjoyed that extra hour of sleep. Oh, me too. Um, the baby, however, did not get the memo. <laughs> oh, man. Neither did the cats. It's always fun when you have cats and you feed them at the same time every night. And then it's like they don't understand the concept of daylight savings time. And I guess babies are the same. Yeah. Well, babies and cats, that's what they say. That's what all the books say. They're all the oh, same. Yeah. They're all the same. <laughs> <laughs> Cue all the angry letters from the mommies. <laughs> And I mean, as as a mother of daughter of a daughter, <laughs> I say she is just like a feral cat. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> Olivia, if you're listening to this as an adult, first of all, wow, what a time capsule on the air. Um, to it was a joke, and I love you very much. Hi, Olivia. <laughs> <laughs> you know when she takes over the podcast, you know. Yes. This is this is her legacy. Well, right. half her legacy. It sure be, it sure be. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone knows. I think everyone knows by now. We're talking about the Olsen twins uh direct to video movies uh, this season of Growing Up Millennial. Yes, we heck yes. I, wow, I just tried to say heck yes we are and I said yes we are. Um <laughs> Heck Gruel. yes, we are. <laughs> Gruel, yes. <laughs> A plus reference. Uh, well, but this episode we have, guys, I'm, I preemptively apologize for, one, my voice, because I am just getting over a cold. And two, I apologize for this film, even though I didn't make it. Guys, you, we're in for... a. A rough one. I, as If you're like us, which you probably are, because these movies are really fucking hard to find on streaming services, so you probably haven't taken the extra effort to figure out how to watch this movie in the last 10, 15 years. Um, you might not remember that When in Rome is probably, at least so far in our run of the six movies we have watched, 
the worst <laughs> Mary Kate Ashley movie to date. And you know what? It brings me no pleasure to say that. And you like we said something very similar about <laughs> Holiday in the Sun. I'm I'm really worried, Helene, that as like the movies get progressively like closer to New York Minute that they are going to get worse and I don't I'm, want that. I'm a little worried. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> I thought Switching Goals was going to be the worst one and I'm yes, guys, I roasted that movie like no other. But this one is worse. <laughs> um, can we please take a moment to recognize that Switching Goals has been vindicated on this podcast? <laughs> Yeah, it's second worst now. Uh, oh, we should. I wonder if we should rank them. Should we rank them? Oh, we're gonna rank them at the end. Don't you at worry. At the end. Me. Okay. Okay. I was like, I already have a rank forming are in we, my are, mind. Are we doing like, um, you know, like uh, brackets for them individually? I was just thinking a good like one through eight. Are, are we doing eight movies? Nine movies? Eight? Yeah. I mean, but we could still do kind of brackets. We'll figure this out. It's yeah. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. We'll figure it out. Um, okay, so one in Rome, which is not to be confused with the Kristen Bell uh, other aughts movie. Movie of the, of the same, same name. Yeah, of the same, of the same, name. same title. <laughs> was released on November 26, 2002. It was directed by Steve Purcell of Holiday in the Sun fame. <laughs> oh, Steve. And <laughs> written by Michael Swirldlick. Swordlick, yeah, I don't know how to say that. So, so like sword, so like sword, but with an e and lick to the end. Yeah, sword, (laughs) swordlick. We haven't seen Michael, (laughs) Mister Swordlick, um, before in these parts before. Yes, he's new. Um, (laughs) but but before we get to like our uh, thoughts on Mister Swordlick, can we get a (laughs) quick summary? Of when in Rome, I can Ciao. always, I can always promise you a summary, but I can never promise it'll be quick. Okay, but I need you to do like <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, it'll be like a hate crime to do an Italian accent. So let's continue. Uh, oh my God, no! If you thought my French accent was bad from Passport to Paris, no. Anyway, it's a me, a Mario. Uh, oh my God, <laughs> I can't with you. That's all you get. <laughs> okay, and that's <laughs> more than I ever needed or wanted. Thank y'all. All right, here's the summary for this amazing movie. <laughs> Charlie and Layla Hunter, much like Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen themselves, have a big dream of working in fashion. When they land a summer internship at Hammond International in Rome, they see their dreams starting to finally come true. That is, until they get fired only a few days after they start the job. As they're packing their bags to leave, Mr. Hammond himself stops by and immediately rehires them, but not before offering them a little vacay at his seaside villa, where they meet his lazy-ass nephew, Ryan. They go back to work, and, long story short, hijinks ensue. There's romance, as always, fashion, as always, and even pizza, because when in Rome... Also, they get fired a second time. Yeah, they get fired twice. Yeah. Yeah. Do they get fired a third time? Or are you ta- is the second time, because they get fired again at the very end of the movie. But that that, that's stick. the end. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, they get okay. fired. So they get fired the first time. Well, they get put on probation first. Everyone except Heidi. 
And then the girls get fired after the CD incident. Yeah, but no, they get they do get fired. They get fired after they lose the clothes, and then they get fired at the very end with the with the shoot or whatever. Even though they, I guess they were already fired at that point, weren't they? No, well, they were already fired. They did the shoot yeah, after right. they were fired. You're right. That was, they can't, they can't get fired again. <laughs> anyway, well, there's a, they, they maybe it'll like, stick the third time. You know, I don't know. Yeah, Donald Trump might as well be in this movie just yelling, "You fired!" Back and forth. Oh, that's like, disgusting. All- I don't think I'm gonna put that in <laughs> our beautiful episode about when in Rome. I mean, sure. <laughs> I can. No. I can. I can understand that. This is a Cheeto-free zone, Helene. <laughs> it might make it to, like, the, you know, gags at the end, but it will not make it to the main feed. I respect your creative... Uh, <laughs> Control. Vision, yes. <laughs> anyway, should right. we... Let's talk let's, 411. Let's do, let's do the 411. Um, first off, did you know... This is a very important part of my current 411 process. Yes. There were no less than 13, 13 montages in this film. Oh, you counted this time. Oh, I'm so happy you did that. Yeah. Okay. And it didn't and even I feel like. I through every fucking one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I've been writing like scene by scene. So I have like noted, like I write what happens in each scene. And so I have written down like montage of this montage of that, but I never actually like counted them, but they didn't feel as montage heavy as winning London. So we need to really figure out how many winning London actually had. Well, I think, I don't know. Some of these were pretty lengthy, but some of them were kind of micro montages, like, right. like five seconds here and there. Um, and I think the problem with winning London specifically was that, the montages that they did were long employ were very long You're so right. this one had like many montages interspersed with like fucking ass like long montage montages yeah that makes sense that makes sense i feel like when we do our rankings at the end we also should talk about how many montages each film had <laughs> yeah we should we really should um, okay, so uh, tell me more about this film other than the 13. Yeah, <laughs> on well, you know, listeners, so far we're on our sixth episode. Hopefully you have kind of caught on by now, but I do usually tend to like to go and find the actors in the film that go on to be in other notable things throughout their career that you might recognize them from. Um, that isn't a thing this time. <laughs> I couldn't find, I went through every single actor I could find on IMDb and did not find any notable credits for any of them other than Mary Kate and Ashley. Yeah. Well, and you know, not a star on this, but you know, part of the, part of the crew, uh, the writer, Mr. Swordlick. Oh. Yes. Wait, really quick though, before we get there, I will say there were some that were uh, some actors that were um, Italian actors, so they had a lot of credits for Italian, in Italy, yeah. yeah, for like movies and TV shows and things in Italy. That I obviously, as an American who doesn't watch Italian media, did not, I, I did not recognize them. But there are notable Italian actors. But yes, just no notable <laughs> Americans. Yes, but yes, tell us about Swerdlick dude (laughs) (laughs) so 
Uh, Michael Swerdlick's biggest credit is the 1987 teen rom-com Can't Buy Me Love, which has like that iconic, like, um, you know, drivable lawnmower thing at yeah. the end. Um, but he's also credited in writing other projects. Yes. Just such as Saved by the Bell, two episodes of Beverly Hills 90210, the original version by the way um Mm -hmm. and other american and ashley projects that we will be getting into in the next couple of episodes um like the challenge and getting there which we won't be getting into sadly and one episode of boy meets world yeah If, if there was a way to watch getting there i would probably campaign that we do it but i have not i've yet to find a way to watch that movie uh yes it's it's a tough one to find. Yes. Yes. Uh, so Swordlike has some, you know, notable credits for sure. I, I, the writing wasn't awful. The direction, awful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry, Steve I mean, Purcell, we are not your fans. We are not one of your biggest fans. I, is there time for him to turn it around? Is there another... American Ashley movie that he has yes. directed. Steve, if you want to come on the podcast and defend the way that you <laughs> shoot uh, scenes of people sitting around tables eating meals to me, uh, I would love to hear your reasoning behind those awful decisions. And I would give you the platform. So just hit us up. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's continue. <laughs> Uh, so yes, this movie was released less than six months before the iconic Lizzie McGuire movie. Um, which, Do you think, like, okay, I just okay, stop for a second there. Like, you know, okay. sometimes like there's like um, in uh, any industry, like movie making industry, or like or you know, publishers, like books, or even yes. TV where like there's usually like a trend and you can tell what that yeah. trend yeah. is. Yeah, like there were by, like of, there were ton of like vampire movies for a while in the early Yeah, yeah. Or like, like you know, superhero movies is a trend. Yeah. Rom-coms used to be a trend that is resurfacing. Yes, and um, and uh and coming of age films set in Rome with love interests named Paolo were that's tra- where was, a trend. That, that's where I'm in, going. In 2002 and 2003. So like like studio execs or like whoever is advising people making movies, right? They're like, yes. You know what's going to be good? Big Rome. Yeah. Rome. Rome for teenagers. And you yeah. and you know what what exists in Rome? Paolo. Dude's name dude's named Paolo. Yep. Paolo. With excellent hair. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this movie was released in November of 2022 or 20, not 2022, 2002. <laughs> uh, and the Lizzie McGuire movie was released in May of 2003. So they are Oof. very close together. And yes, Paolo is the main love interest in both. Um, although Paolo, and they're both, they're both kind of shitty people. Uh, Paolo <laughs> in this movie is a little bit better though. <laughs> He's a little bit but better. Like yeah. a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Um, Paolo in the Lizzie McGuire movie is if you got like the bad guy from this one and mix him with Paolo. Oh yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I could definitely yeah. see that. Anyway. Um, also before we dish on this movie, because we got a lot more to say, um, this DVD or video has an alternate ending. 
Yes, if you have the DVD of this or the video, I, I don't know if you can access special features on VCRs. It's been a long time. Uh, go to the special features menu, and the the last scene um, is re-shot with a different ending, and we will be discussing it because I have thoughts. <laughs> All right, let's dish. Let's begin our conversation on this film. Okay, we yes. start out with two girls on their beds. Yes, and they're told they're running late, but but then of- <laughs> they stop and take pictures. Yeah, they get up and instead of getting dressed uh, because they're late, they just go to the balcony and and just like stand out there and take pictures and chat for like twenty minutes, which I always do when I'm running late. So makes sense. Makes complete <laughs> sense to me too. You know, the artistic soul cannot be bothered by constructs of time and space. True, true. Also, at the very beginning, when they're both laying in their beds, and I don't know which who is who yet at this point, because I anyway, one of them, the one with the ponytail on the very top of her head, uh, is laying in the bed talking about how tired she is. And it's like, girl, you are laying in bed. You have the pillow under your head. You have the blanket on top of you. You could be sleeping instead of talking about how you would like to be sleeping. Go to bed. Yeah. (laughs) I was very annoyed. Anyway, uh, they talk about um, this internship that they have. They're so excited. We get to spend all summer here. Um, Well, six weeks, but yeah. 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 Well, they say that's why I was confused. They were like, I can't believe we get to spend all summer here. And then like two lines later, she says, it's all ours for six weeks. And I was like, since when is summer only six weeks? Anyway. Yes. Maybe maybe in L.A. it's only six weeks. I don't know. I guess. Yeah. They're very excited to do fashion things. And we get Mm -hmm. this little montage while they're talking. I guess I guess it would be a montage considered a montage. Um of pictures of Rome in black and white. Yeah, Just, it is a montage. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Then we cut to all the other summer interns. We meet all of them. There's Nobu. Uh, there's. Uh, we meet Heidi, who is a real piece of work. Oh, fuck Heidi. She's a sociopath. <laughs> that lady yeah. is a sociopath. Uh, Paolo, <laughs> Paolo is like such a lazy ass. Yeah. Also, uh, I'm Nobu, also not a Paolo fan. Nope. <laughs> Nobu is such a great character. Yeah, he's um, fine. I yeah. do wonder if he's he's Japanese and from Tokyo. He 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 just, he just has an American accent. I know. Maybe he was like you know in one of the American schools there. Everyone else has accents because, like, Heidi's from Germany and she has a German accent, not a good one, but you know, well, but a German you know, accent. Like, it's what they call like abroad, like they call like international schools where they'll have yeah. like American uh, teachers and stuff or even right. British teachers. Um, and it's usually like super, pri- like super expensive private schools that, that, that do that abroad. Yeah. So it could yeah, be one I of would, that situation. I would love to have learned a little bit more about Nobu's background because I, I just assume the way that, you know, the way that he presents that maybe he grew, he was he was born and grew up in America and moved to Tokyo recently or something, but yeah, we don't mm-hmm. know. Um, so Nobu's from Tokyo. We have Dari, 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 Dari from Venice and Paolo's from Rome. So he, I have no idea why the fuck he's staying in the hotel. He lives in the Cause city. Cause he's trying to get away from his family. Have you seen his family later? Come on. 
Yeah, but then he goes and hangs out at their restaurant. Like, only when he's trying to show <laughs> off. But we'll continue, continue. Yes, yes. And then Charlie and Layla are, you know, Mary-Kate and Ashley's characters. They're from Los Angeles, like they always are. And I think that's everyone. Uh, but we see well, all the they're summer they're not engines. always from L.A., remember? And Holiday oh, and oh, one, they're not from L.A. They're from, oh, and, and uh, you're right. And in Switching Goals, they're from Evansville, Indiana. I do remember that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway. We're watching all the summer interns running around, trying to get ready for the first day on the job. Um, we meet Jamie, the the VP and director of the internship program. Yes, she's pretty cool. Uh, we The interns all run into the lobby to meet each other, and we get a classic meet-cute where... Charlie like, meets Charlie, Paolo. Yeah, she like falls into Paolo's, Paolo's arms, and... Uh, he goes, I'm Paolo. And she goes, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, yeah. And then we get a montage uh, again of the streets of Rome as they make their way to the office. And there's like this little bit of them walking up the Spanish steps. And there that was, that was some weird writing that scene. Because <laughs> um, I think Layla, it goes like, it's weird. We're in Rome, but these are Spanish steps. And then yeah. Paolo goes, is that what you Americans call a joke? And then I think and like Heidi goes. Heidi says, no, for it to be a joke, it has to be funny. Yeah. I was like, this is the, a waste of conversation. I, I could have done without it, but whatever. Yeah. yeah whatever. Yes. Um, then they, they meet uh, Mr. Enrico Tortoni for breakfast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and they call Who him is, Mr. Tortellini, and they mistake him for a waiter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he's the head of the Roma offices. Yes. And then they realize there are real stakes in this internship opportunity because two interns are going to be picked for the New York summer job. Yes, I have one question. At, well, I have a couple of questions about this scene. First of all, Tortoni immediately knows which one is Layla and which one is Charlie. How? How does this random dude tell these two identical twins apart at the very first time he looks at them? I don't know. That was blew my mind. And then also they hired six inter- international interns to just work in the mailroom. Mm-hmm. Like that that seems that's a dumb internship and they better be getting paid. Like what? <laughs> yeah makes no, no I, sense i have no like a- anything to add um then you know you mentioned they it's a mailroom internship they meet the boss of the mailroom gianni i think his name is yeah. he looks like bj novak's long lost italian cousin he kind of does i could see that <laughs> Yeah, and he, I, I didn't know how to feel about this guy's character, honestly. Like, in this scene, he was kind of, he was weird and confusing. He was like, oh, I'm your friend, but I hate you. And then later, you, like, are supposed to root for him a little bit. It, it just it, it just feels like he's not had a lot of leadership experience. Yeah. And he's having difficulty navigating, like, that, like me, but also I'm your boss. But like me, but I am your boss. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, but once he starts to, you know, be like, oh, this Tortoni dude is fucking batshit, then you're like, okay, yeah, dude, we agree. Okay, so then we have our first uh, mailroom montage of yeah. many, let me tell you. Um, and then <laughs> yep. Paolo and Charlie have to deliver some fabric uh, in 
their little uh, mopeds, I guess. And yeah. they get lost because yeah, they're Paolo, trying to navigate with paper maps. Yeah, Paolo is so directionally challenged, and he uses this, this excuse that's like, you could live in Rome for a hundred years and never know these crazy streets. Oh, but also, don't fucking use a map, you idiot. It's like, what do you expect then? You just want to always be lost? This is like, this is when I started hating Paolo, because I was like, this dude sucks. <laughs> Paolo is a very firm proponent of um, boy direction, which is now to be confused with boy math. Uh, it's just yeah. where you just go where you, the spirit tells you and you don't never, you never ask for directions or help. Yeah, and this except, guy grew... <laughs> except if you have to call a pizza delivery driver to do your work for you. In which okay, case, yeah. that's fine. Well, yeah, he's he's an entitled, lazy ass, like stupid dude. Like I can't, I can't with him. He also, you grew up there. If anyone should know where the fuck they're going, it would be you. Yeah, I would think so. Then Layla, we, we cut to a scene of like Layla and Heidi talking and Layla lets Heidi know she yes. doesn't compete with her sister. And Heidi's like, well, I'm not her sister. Okay. Yeah, because Heidi is, I guess, showing interest in Paolo, but that never comes back. That ev- never, ever comes back. I thought the only thing that I could think of like is that it's not about interest in Paolo, but like she wants to let Layla know that she's willing to compete against anyone about anything. Oh, yeah. Because when Layla's like, oh, I don't compete against my sister, she's specifically talking about boys. No, no, I understand. Yeah. But then, like, Heidi was like, you never compete against your sister? Never? Like, <laughs> kind of, like, uh, alluding to the fact that she's talking about, like, in yeah. anything. And then then Heidi's like, well, I'm, you know, basically, I'm not her sister or I'm not your sister. Something like that. So I was yeah. like, yeah. I don't think it's as much about Paolo as it is about, like, I plan to be going to New York City. Yeah, this is the first glimpse of sociopath Heidi that we see. (laughs) It gets much worse. It gets much worse. And it was not my first glimpse, but yeah. Um, Yes. Uh, And then we cut back to Paolo and Charlie. um, And Paolo is trying trying to get Charlie to not care about her work. And this is when, what you mentioned earlier, when he hires that pizza delivery guy to do the work for them just so that he can have more time to flirt with her. And I just got to say, like, I've already said it a little bit, but this guy is completely useless. He's just, he's just useless. He even fucks this up. We learn out, we learn later that the pizza delivery guy ends up delivering pizzas to the people instead of the fabric that he took from them. Um. Yeah, he's just so lazy. Why are all the dudes, all the dudes in this movie are lazy? Not Nobu, though. Justice for Nobu. Yeah, no, he's not. Yeah, he's not lazy. He does, like, do his job wrong a lot. But he's not lazy. But but so <laughs> do basically all of them, even Heidi. Yeah, but but like I guess the main the main two guys, even though I wouldn't consider Ra- Ryan a love interest, Ryan and Paolo are like the two laziest people in the world. Yeah. So then uh, we cut to Derry and Nobu, who have like a burgeoning romance, um, mm-hmm. who realize that even though they've been talking about how 
it's so easy. A monkey could do it. Yep. But they've been making copies and binding things that are of the absolutely wrong documents. Yeah, like they do a flight plan instead of a, I don't remember. It was, yeah, they No, it was the, so it was the um, quarterly financials rather than the flight plan or something like that. Yeah, that's right. You're right. Yep. And then we see Tortoni decides to send Layla on her first, like, out, like, leaving the building job to go to a hat shop to pick up a pilot's hat. She gets to this this scene, man. She gets to the shop and she just walks in and she just says, hi, I'm here for a hat, a pilot's hat. And she does like charades to like show the guy what a pilot is. And she's like flying a, a plane with her arms. And the guy is like, oh, yes. And then he stirs like a pot <laughs> like back in charades. Yeah. And he gives he's like, oh, here you go. Okay. She doesn't say who she's picking up for or anything like that. She just says, comes in. She says, hey, I'm looking for a pilot's hat. And he just hands her some a hat and lets her walk out of the store without paying or any, like, as far as, like, I'm looking from this guy's perspective. As from his perspective, it looks like she just stole that hat. Yeah. It was very, like, jarring. Anyway. It was like a weird setup for the... For like the mix up, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I, she I should know. at least have said like, "Hey, I'm here with Hammond International. I'm picking up a hat for our marketing shoot." Uh, and then it could still work for him to have given her the wrong hat, but whatever. Also, why do they need a pilot's hat for a fashion shoot anyway? No, it wasn't for a fashion shoot. It was for his uh, personal pilot. Oh, they said that. I don't remember them saying that. I believe I remember him saying that. Oh, the redesigned okay. whatever. Anyway. Cool, cool, cool. Um, then Tortellini, as I call him throughout, yes. uh, finds out that, you know, they done fucked up, all of them. Yeah. And <laughs> only Heidi is safe from probation. Because she's the only one that didn't get a special job to do and therefore didn't have anything to fuck yeah. up in the first so place. Like, so, <laughs> like, when you're not given any responsibilities – Ergo, you don't fuck up. Should yep. you be rewarded? <laughs> yep, yep. That's that is what this movie is teaching you guys. Uh, just don't ever have responsibilities, and you won't ever mess up because you have nothing to mess up. <laughs> so the interns, yeah. I ooh, Heidi and Ryan would make a great couple, but we can talk about that later. Oh, okay. I want to hear more about that later. Uh, the <laughs> interns are. Complaining about getting in trouble uh, and just doing all their jobs super fucking wrong. And I just say they're in this scene. Charlie is wearing glasses, which threw me off because I don't think I've ever seen them wear glasses before. And she only wears them like one other time, like actual glasses, not sunglasses. Those glasses were so 2002. Like they were. Yeah, they were. They were. They, do you remember they even had like a like the frame had like a slight like reddish tint to it and that used to be yeah that used to be like all the all the thing like in in like the the early aughts of like trying like those like square glasses with like that kind of like reddish but dark tint i was gonna um, say i I remember them being black but they but i probably just wasn't looking 
No, like, I mean, enough. I of course there were there were black ones, but like there was yeah. like a specific subset of oh, glasses yeah. that were kind of like the you know whatever. Yeah, yeah definitely. They were very in fashion. Um, I yeah, probably, it just yeah, it threw me off to see any of either of the Olsen twins wearing glasses because I don't know if I'd ever seen them. Well, maybe I don't know. I just it's just like whoa, I'm not used to this. So then um, I really love in this moment afterwards, like where Layla has a heart to heart with Jamie about fashion and photography. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, it was very cute. And this is my pass the Bechtel moment test. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> um, or pass the best the Bechtel test moment. So words. that is a uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> this film does pass the Bechtel test. It sure does. Um, and then Paolo and Charlie fight slash talk oh about their God. differences is, in work I approach. I can't. He, he, yeah, he like asks first if he can make a generalization, which it's like, I, if I were asked that question, I would say no. Try not to do that. Here's okay. So here's what I was about to say to all of this. You know, when he she's talking like, "Where have you met American girls?" And I was like, "Is he like the other Paolo?" Because I don't remember any of this plot, obviously, yeah. from like 20 years ago. Yeah, I was like, "Is he secretly another Italian pop star?" <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't, know. I don't know if I don't know if the Paolo and Lizzie McGuire movie met a lot of American girls. No, but like I'm just trying to say, like, what is you know? Her, she's all like, "What is your job then?" Like, whatever. Oh, yeah, and I was like, yeah. "Is he yeah. another secret Italian pop star?" Yes, because it would so, kind of make sense. Like he's undercover at his. For label. people who did not just watch this movie, just a little context. Basically, they're walking around, and Paolo is like, "Hey, can I make a generalization? All American girls are uptight." And uh, first of all, it's just a shitty thing to say. Like, it's not true, just because like you think anyway but um then charlie charlie starts ripping into paolo about oh like how, how why have you met so many fucking american girls like are you a cab driver no because you don't know how to get around in the city that you've lived in your whole life and you have you're super fucking directionally challenged oh have you um you know worked at the airport like <laughs> so yes it it's it was entertaining but then very frustrating when she like falls for his charms at the end of it because i'm like girl you were on the right track well the thing is, the thing is was there ever a point in this movie where she hadn't fallen for his charms no matter what she said out loud because yeah i'm sorry to tell you there mm -hmm. is no evidence to the contrary <laughs> yeah i I do have to say, one of the reasons that Paolo really just grinds my gears in this movie is he makes it sound like no Italian in the history of Italy has ever suffered from any anxiety in their life. And, and I just don't what? buy it. I just don't buy it. He's like, Italians are carefree and chill and we don't, we're not uptight and we just love life and we just, just, you know, and it's just like, no, that's just, that's you. Shut up. You know what, though? Maybe I would love life more if, like, in Europe, we also had two months off every year. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, oh, if I if I lived in Rome, 
and I was Paolo, I would at least have a baseline anxiety for never knowing where the fuck I'm going. No, no, I don't- no, no, no. I, I'm just making like a general statement about like yes. American, you know. Oh, I get, I get what you're saying. I was just making a separate point. Uh, okay, yeah. No, so American, yes. <laughs> like whatever, work. Yes. Ethics. Um, I'm just like, you know what, guys? Maybe we should get two months <laughs> off. You that know, would be nice, just, although that doesn't affect the people we see in this movie. Well, Paolo, I guess. It doesn't affect him. So <laughs> I just I feel like I would be much less anxious. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, Jamie or Jamie, uh, Charlie and Layla are not affected by that because they are just like 17 years old. So anyway, I mean, they have to they have to go to school, presumably, which is kind of like work. Um, yeah, but they get three months summer off like any other person does. I'm sure Ital- Italy, Italians, I can't talk, also get some sort of summer vacation when they're in high school. Yeah, right. Well, anyway. Uh, anyway. <laughs> okay, so Layla is then uh, going to Tortoni's uh, or Tortellini's yes. office and shows him that she's a smart cookie by yeah, like does. explaining back to him how the business is actually very integrated, even though most people might not think so, which, you know, basically the business model she's talking about is basically the virgin uh, business model. If anyone remembers the early aughts and uh, Virgin Record stores and fl- and commercial flights and all the hmm. stuff, no, I don't remember that, but that makes sense. So they uh, so Virgin used to have a label. They had airplanes and they had like stores, like where you could buy the media. Yeah, um, not just the media they produced, but like just media stores. Yeah. Um, the only component they would miss, right, that they didn't have, you know, versus the movie would be the fashion aspect of it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I do. Virgin Airlines is still a thing. Yeah. And uh, so Hammond is supposed to be like a Richard Branson type. Yes. I remember Richard Branson. Yes. Because Virgin Airlines recently did like a, and when I say recently, I mean like in the last two years, <laughs> did, um, did like a Jeff Bezos type of we're going to be one of the first people to go to space on a commercial yeah. flight flight uh-huh. and re- and the Branson guy did that. So I do remember him. <laughs> you remember the Branson guy? Okay. Yes. Anyway, um, <laughs> speaking of the Branson guy and recording studios, yes. Heidi and Layla have to deliver a CD to a radio station, which unsurprisingly ends in disaster because Heidi – is walking with a CD player and wants to listen to the CD. Yeah, there's a scene the right when they cut to the scene of they're on the streets and Layla's looking at the map and you know Heidi's being a little bitch. Uh, there's <laughs> a there's a lot of ADR in this scene. I don't know if you realize that. Um, no, do you know AD- tell me more. No, tell it me was more. it was basically. Oh, do you not know what ADR? Should I explain what ADR is? Yes, please. Okay. For me, um, for the listeners, for the world. Okay, I'm going to look up what it stands for just to make sure I'm getting it. Okay, automated dialogue replacement is what it stands for. But basically, it's like post-production when some, when people go in and record what they're saying to put over the film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So usually, like, if it's a movie that is so has, like, a cut curse to a word. Scene. Yeah, they'll cut to, like, a scene where the person speaking is not shown on screen, and then it's, like, their voice. Yes, that that, but also the way that it's used in this film 
and how it's sometimes used in other places, even though it's really tacky to do so, is like if say like a movie that has a curse word it goes up on like ABC Family, they will mm-hmm. use ADR of someone talking over that word with a different word. But so it sounds seamless in the line when they're talking, but it's obvious their mouth. It's like dubbing, like their mouth is not. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like so <laughs> Could you imagine if someone did like an ADR of our podcast? <laughs> yeah. Well, it wouldn't work as well because that it would just sound like someone else is doing the podcast. But yes, I, I definitely that's no that's no <laughs> like instead of me being like, well fuck, they'd be like, well fudge. Yeah, right. Exactly. That is a good example of it. So in this scene, they're like sitting and Layla's holding the map. They're standing in the street. Layla's holding the map and they're trying to figure out where to go. And not one word coming out of Layla's mouth this entire scene matches what her how her math, mouth is moving. They're, I'm like, what is she, well, I want to know what they were actually saying. Because everything that Layla said in this scene was recorded over. And I, it just makes me very curious as to what the original scene was. Man. To be, I, I just want an oral history on, like, all these movies of how they were made. Um, then cut to Charlie trying to make an espresso and Paolo just leaving her to figure and out the machine. Another reason why Paolo's the worst. Um, he is completely useless, like I said. She is understandably very confused by this espresso machine because they're confusing. And he mansplains everything as if it's easy as shit, but doesn't actually know how to do any of it and then leaves Charlie to do it herself, which is crappy. And then so she then makes instant coffee. <laughs> yeah. My question here, though, is, first of all, what, why, are, why does she have access to use these things? Because in case you were unaware, especially machines cost thousands of dollars, probably tens of thousands of dollars sometimes. And can especially seriously. And this time it would have been like a couple yeah. grand at least. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they can seriously injure you if you don't oh, know yeah. how to use them. Like you can like burns, but like you could die if you misuse an uh, uh, espresso machine it's quite serious so the fact that they just let any random old person who's not properly trained on how to use them just like play around with it, it unheard of <laughs> no idea uh, yeah so um speaking of which side note i am thinking of purchasing my own espresso machine and this was way before this <laughs> really movie. like a full like a full one or like a like a nespresso no, no, like a full one, yeah. Like one Ooh. like so my parents have this uh Breville touch um Ooh. that I helped them buy fancy uh, when I was there. And <laughs> it is a here's what I like about it, and this is not we're not sponsored by Breville, but if you Breville, if you want to send me a free espresso machine, I will shout you out every episode. Um, (laughs) It has like this feature, and this is like a thousand dollar machine. Like we're not talking like, you know, I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm like looking out like Black Friday, maybe Cyber Monday to see if I can get like maybe 50 bucks off at least. Um, But it is, it is like 
it has like a touch screen menu so I wouldn't have to like go through like what, what Charlie went to, through. Yeah. Right. And it grinds the beans as mm. you need them, like nice. from like the top. So you yeah, just like nice. put the beans at the top and then it grinds as you need them. And um, obviously froths the milk and, and all of that. And yeah. depending on whatever setting you told it that you're doing, like, do you want a flat bread, a white? Do you want a cappuccino? Do you want an espresso? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it, it will dispense as much like coffee you would need for that beverage. That's cool. Yeah, that would yeah, be really that. nice. I that would be something that she was missing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. I live so close to a Starbucks that at some point I'd be like, instead of spending a thousand dollars in one sitting, I'll spend a thousand dollars by going to Starbucks over the course of a couple of years. <laughs> um, yeah, well, but I also will say for me personally, because I'm such a fucking coffee snob. Um. <laughs> I will enjoy having my own like Puerto Rican roasted coffee that totally. is not over totally. uh Starbucks roast is too yeah. burnt so it's overdone for me personally. That's fair. If I'm not a coffee you, snob so I get if it. If people enjoy Starbucks let them enjoy Starbucks. People like yeah. McDonald's too, you know? Like it is Yeah, I'm I'm not a coffee snob but I I I totally understand. Uh my anecdote of of espresso machines is i i used to work uh, at this we work office for a while mm-hmm. and they ha- they had a really nice big fancy espresso machine and literally if not every day at least every other day it would break and they would have to call someone like the manufacturer to come and repair it and service it yeah yes every like happened multiple times a week like consistently and one time I just asked I was like why don't you just replace it obviously this is like broken beyond prepare repair there's this is not fixable you guys it just keeps breaking I don't understand why don't you just replace it and the girl goes we can't replace it cost it because it cost fourteen thousand dollars Jesus fucking Christ and I was just my my jaw dropped to the bottom of the thirty nine floor skyscraper building that I was in. Like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> so that's when I got my rude awakening of how much those things can fucking cost. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you say fourteen or forty? Fourteen. Fourteen. Okay. Either way. Either way. Either it's still way, a ridiculous I mean, number. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not debating it's a ridiculous number, but one of them is more ridiculous than the other. You have that is to admit. True. Yes. Yeah. No. Fourteen one four. Uh fourteen thousand dollars. <laughs> not fourteen hundred, like fourteen thousand. Crazy. Anyway. Okay, yeah. So um <laughs> that is making my like one thousand dollar like espresso machine purchase that I've been saving for, you know, literally the entire year not seem so bad. Yeah. Yeah, it was absolutely insane. And maybe that's why we work uh had all those financial issues. Anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. So here's is... my so before we get to the next scene, okay. I have a real question like that I just thought of. So if no one in Rome yes. likes instant coffee and it is so abhorrent, yeah. why is it in the office? Yeah, this guy acts like instant coffee is 
I mean, I am not I am not blaming them for the yeah. for hating instant coffee. Like I get it, right? Like as a coffee snob, I fucking mm-hmm. get it. But you know what you won't find in my kitchen? Instant coffee. You know, right. like Yeah. I will not I mean, let you sully me. Maybe it's for the Americans. Maybe it's for the Americans. Because obviously they have some interns and in, like international. You know what people, though? But- what instant coffee is really good for, and I will shut up after this, is uh to <laughs> Add on to a like whatever chocolate chip cookie dough like recipe you have. You add a like one tablespoon or two yes. of instant coffee to it. Oh, it elevates it. My like, my sister 10, is my sister's a big baker, and she's explained to me that when you add coffee to something that has chocolate in it, it like brings out the chocolate flavor a bit more. Yes, it is like so. oh, it is yeah. amazing. Nice uh, baking tips from Adrian. <laughs> I wouldn't say like mix it into like the pre-made dough, right? But like, right. yeah, like if you're making like from scratch, add a little bit of instant coffee, and it really elevates the flavor. Yeah, oh, also if a little bit of sea salt. Mm-hmm. Yes, that too. Um, if you're making like fudge brownies, you know, throw throw a little bit of coffee, instant coffee in there. Ooh. Um, they're good. Oh. Anyway, no, I'm back, to, anyway. back to the sociopath Heidi. Um, uh, <laughs> who like th- fully throws Layla under the bus. Well, yeah. So we, we kind of skipped this part, but they're after hiding Layla get lost and are trying to find the radio place. They find it, but before they can get there, uh, Heidi decides to physically, I guess, assault Layla to try and get the CD out of her hands because she wants to listen to it. And Layla's like, no, we're not allowed to, we have to get this to the client. Like we got to go. We can't do this. And Heidi, like, grabs it, and it flies out of the case onto the street and is run over by a car and is completely broken and destroyed. And the CD had, like, some sort of pre... It was like a single or something of a song that had not come out yet. Yes. Yeah. It was, Um, like, like, one of their biggest pop stars. Right. So, yes, we get back to the office, and as you said, Heidi throws Layla completely under the bus and what grinds like, my gears okay, is that okay. <laughs> Layla takes full blame it is not enough for Heidi to like throw the CD literally under the car but yeah. also she just shoves Layla right there with tortellini <laughs> yes and sh- and Layla agrees she's she says yeah, it was my fault or whatever. And I'm just thinking, why are you protecting this sociopath? She has done nothing but fuck you over since you got there. And uh, I mean, also Charlie and Paolo get like, you know, in trouble because of the instant coffee and he tries to be gallant about it. And she's like, fuck you. It was my fault. Right. Yeah. Um, she's like, I don't need you to stand up for me. I did this. So and, then... Yeah. um <laughs> After that uh, display, both girls get fired in front of the entire internship class, I guess. Yes. And then because we hadn't seen this, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time and I didn't remember, I wrote my, a note that I wrote down after this was, why does Tortoni look so happy about this? And then it gets explained. <laughs> it gets explained a little later. <laughs> yes, it does. Like it, like this, this film takes some turns. Yeah, that are interesting that I mean, the right, like I said, like the writing and the story isn't necessarily bad to me personally, because it does take risks. And a lot of 
good writing has to take risks. You can't just do like the formulaic stuff, right? Right. But uh, I, the execution of the writing, I think, is what I have a problem personally with. Yeah. Anyway. Agreed. Um, so they, the, the, the girls are... The girls are fired. Heidi yes. is a witch. Um, and then <laughs> next cut to Jamie and, Jamie and the girls. Jamie. What am I saying? It's because it's written literally J-A-M-I. Like, yeah, that's supposed, her. That's it, how they smell it. It's supposed to have like an E in the end. Come on, be real. Um, <laughs> Jamie and the girls bump into Derek Hammond just in time. And he makes Jamie and the girls take a few days off while he sorts everything out. Yes, before Derek gets there, like they're walking to the Trevi Fountain with their suitcases. And Layla is just devastated. She's like, I want to cry. Have you ever felt like you just really want to cry, but you can't cry because it doesn't feel real yet? And I'm just devastated. I was really looking forward to this internship. This is awful. I hate this. And Charlie just says, hey, Lay, life goes on and like gives her a hug. And Layla immediately just goes, thanks for cheering me up. (laughs) I'm like, girl, she didn't do anything. That would not cheer anyone up. Telling someone life goes on is not. (laughs) It was the, the writing in that scene was laughable but yes then the beautiful superhero hammond comes and just fixes all of their problems with like a wave of his dick (laughs) (laughs) are you okay (laughs) just lost it i'm sorry I said what I said. Uh, <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that, but I was like, no, nah, she's not. And then you said it, and I was like, motherfucker, I knew it. Like, <laughs> oh, We know each other too well. It's because I would have finished that sentence the exact same way. <laughs> I'm so happy that's the case. Uh, but also, <laughs> this has to be weak. Like, Yes. Yeah, so he, he fixes everything with what I said. And uh, what I have to, this just makes no sense, This whole his whole reasoning, because he says that he basically has to, he says he has to convince the head of his Roman offices to rehire some random high school summer interns. And while he works on it, he just invites them to stay at a seaside villa for some fun in the sun, instead of putting well, them up at a hotel. Definitely- so. Well, he definitely wants Jamie. Yes, and there are a few spend time together. There are a few holes in this logic, though, because he is the CEO, owner, founder of the company. He has all of the power. Why does he have to convince? Okay, the head I, of I the can Roman tell you. Offices I can tell you why, them? though. I can tell you why. Okay, so having met, having been in situations where um, I have a CEO who yeah. is like, you know in charge, owns the company, whatever. And then we have someone in a managerial position, VP position, executive position, whatever the case may be, um, that has been very valuable over the years or very loyal over the years to the CEO, Yeah, especially if they started out like when they had literally nothing, you know? Yeah. A lot of CEOs, believe it or not, and I've seen this like at least – three times in my career okay um will basically exhaust 
a seemingly unlimited amount of goodwill towards this um, right-hand person or employee. Okay. And avoid, um, you know, confronting the reality until almost when it's like either too late or too obvious or something like really bad happens. I'm telling I've seen this exact dynamic like and then mm. it's like because they ex- maybe exaggerate the importance of this person for the company's well-being or yeah. they don't want to be seen as ungrateful after this person basically helped them grow their company to where it is today or whatever the case may be. So they're try so a lot of CEOs like um Hammond here will be like let me um let me talk to to him and you know get get him to see some sense. Um, yeah, it, it's easier than to just like like alienate my right hand person. You yeah, know? you're right. Yeah, yeah. It would yeah because if he just goes and says you're hiring them back, no questions, then that guy's gonna not feel heard or valued, and then he might have I'm to not, be replacing a bigger. Say, I'm not saying Tortellini is a good person, but no, like, he's not. But he is important to the company, so I, I understand. But, but yeah. he had been with him since the start, and that gets explained a little bit later. Yes. Um in the original ending. You know, and a lot of things that I was very confused about first watching this scene get explained later, but I my notes are what the fuck is this movie? Why is he being so nice? Also, like I I was like, why doesn't he just put them up at a hotel? This is so unrealistic. If this if this ever happened in real life, he would just put them up at a hotel, not invite them back, not invite him back to like their his actual residence to stay with him for a weekend when he doesn't know these people. And and it does he does ex- they do explain it a bit um and satisfactorily I think to a, a degree later but when I first watched this and I couldn't remember what the plot was I was just so incredulous I was like this is this would never happen <laughs> All right so then um as they're vacationing in uh Mr. Hamlin's yes. palatial estate Yes um, yes yes we learned that Charlie can sketch, which we did yes. not know before. Yes. I, I, you know, and then the girls ask Jamie if there's something there with between her and Mr. Hammond. Yeah, I was getting real like parent trap vibes with this plot line. Yeah. Or or like I said in my like you know, passport to Paris uh newsletter, who mm-hmm. needs like Tinder when you got the girls? You know what I mean? Right, yes. Right, because they did this with Brigitte and J-Man, too. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Although Brigitte and J-Man were much more of a stretch. They had never met each other before, and one was a super hot, super smart model. (laughs) Um, But but they were well-suited for each other, I felt. They were, yes. But they had a a lot easier in this movie because Jamie and Hammond have had some 12 years of sexual tension built up already that they wanted to act on These honestly gave them this the is the love triangle is like tortellini hammond and jamie yeah yeah that was sort of random and sort of not because we get one scene of him putting his arm around her and her being and like what jamie, the fuck? And jamie being like <laughs> yeah keep listen harvey weinstein you keep yes. your lecherous paws off me yes i i don't want to i want to date one of my bosses but not you <laughs> disgusting uh yes but jamie looks at charlie's sketches and really wants to show them to hammond but charlie says no 
Um, so. And then we get one of the scenes that you were alluding to earlier that explains a lot, which is that we hear how Tortellini really feels about the internship program. Yes. Uh, he says that he doesn't like Hammond. He never, he wants to ruin Hammond. I don't know if he says that out like explicitly in this, in this scene, but he, that, that is implied. He wants to ruin him uh, and that he hates the interns. Yeah. So, and then we meet Ryan. Well, while Layla is taking pictures at the beach, she meets some guy from New York City. I personally Brent. don't fully believe this meet cute. Please don't get in a vehicle with someone you just met. Yeah, that, this was my notes. This whole scene should be thrown in the trash. I hated it. Uh, because it it was just stupid. Random New York surfer dude drives up in a buggy ish thing. Yeah. It looked like yeah. a, it looked like a 1950s car, to be honest. It's like a sand uh, buggy. Yeah, on the beach while Layla's taking pictures. And yeah, she he's like, Do you want to go for a ride? They've talked for three seconds, and she agrees to go in his car. And these girls are just asking to be murdered, is my note that I have here. I get, uh, <laughs> once again, this could have been taken. Yes, 100% turned into a true crime movie right then and there. And they, the, the filmmakers do a really, really rough Montage. job. Yeah, they're they're, they're trying real hard to make this dumb little joyride on this tiny, itty-bitty, small stretch of beach look fun. It does not look fun. It looks dull. Can Can I read out loud to you my notes about this moment? Yes, please do. <laughs> um, after after the joyride, right? Um, right. Uh, so uh, during their joyride, they go too fast! Exclamation point. <laughs> Ryan turns out to be Hammond's nephew. Ah, yep. Period. I hate Ryan. <laughs> Period. <laughs> yeah, and I thought maybe they would make him better throughout the movie, but no, I I I don't hate him as much as Paolo, but because he actually gets what's coming to him a lot. So good for that, but he is not a likable character. <laughs> okay, and then we get a Jamie and Derek moto montage with, I swear to God, the budget version of the in, the budget instrumental version of Every Breath You Take. Oh, I didn't notice the the song. I did want to say that this scene while the other scene was giving me parent trap vibes where they were like they tricked them to have lunch together mm-hmm. this scene gave me shit's creek before it's time <laughs> vibes because <laughs> he's like this is a cute little shitty town and she's like wow this is cool and he's like yeah i i bought it it's mine well, i own it you know what um <laughs> when they have a son and a daughter and they're being you know investigated by the italian federal police or whoever <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and they get their assets seized. <laughs> they can go live in this quaint little town with no roofs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, real Shit's Creek vibes here. Although, uh, although, I will say, I really loved like what he said, what he wanted to turn it into, which was like a like artist colony where they people can create without having to worry about paying the rent, which is like a very like Oh my gosh, it's so Feyre coded. <laughs> he is Feyre. I love it. That's an Akotar reference for people who don't know. 
Anyway. And Avatar, for people who don't know, is like Court <laughs> of Thorns and Roses. It's That's book, true. It's a book series by Sarah J. Mass. <laughs> yes. Yes. And Sarah J. Mass is an author. No, I'm, okay, I'm done. Uh, Listen, <laughs> you are done. I'm cutting you off. Continue. Let's continue. Yeah. So they don't talk about, like, outright, they don't talk about the fact that they want to date. Oh, they, they they flirt. And I I say, they flirt? Question mark. And then he jokingly tells her she's fired so that she, he can presumably date her. Yeah, she's that, like, that she's alone. Like, I'm sorry. Um, you're kidding, you right? <laughs> yeah, that alone kidding, right? is uh, is like sexual harassment. That is like, that violates company policy somehow. Uh, even if it's a joke. Like, he does not make it clear that it's a joke. That is anxiety inducing for me. <laughs> anyway um, okay charlie then okay wait 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 so oh cut to a montage i hate this montage so much i hate it so, it so much thank you so much <laughs> of charlie missing paolo and it's like a montage of all that's happened up till now with between them which is like literally five seconds of longing glances but you know somehow they stretch it more and i'm like girl it's only been a couple days Literally, I wrote, Charlie has a whole ass montage about missing Paolo after she's known the dude for like 48 hours. That was my note. Well, you know what? This is why we're friends, because our brains. <laughs> yep, it's the biggest stretch. The, the, the filmmakers really are trying to make a mountain out of a molehill. That is what they're doing throughout this whole movie. That is, it and is. And the thing fate. is, they didn't need to. You know what I'm saying? No. Like, they really no. didn't need to. Um. And, you know, sometimes we get a little too heavy-handed with our art, and that's okay. Oh, oh, totally. Yep. So now we're with the rest of the interns, and they talk about missing Charlie and Layla, except for Heidi, who's just a raging bitch and is excited that they're gone and less people to compete with for this New York thing. And Paolo then announces that they've been rehired. So that was (laughs) short-lived. Okay. Okay. And then they have dinner. The girls, Ryan and Jamie have dinner with Derek Hammond. Um, and uh, he gives a little spiel about a thing that he calls the seven C's. Get it? Yeah. Oh, my God. C, I wrote the- as in. Girl, I don't, I don't, are you yeah. reading my notes or are you reading no, your notes? Literally my notes. Okay. My, my note literally says Hammond seven C's. Get it? With like three question marks. <laughs> it's because we are we are who we are get it the seven c's but okay in the movie it's words that start with c but it was it was clever i actually really liked that i kind (laughs) of liked it but i kind of hated it do you know what i mean Uh, yeah i was like i was like is he supposed to be like tony robbins now like i don't understand (laughs) um like this motivational motivational coaching thing, yeah. Um, the seven C's. That's kind of clever, but also corny. I hate it. I love it. I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, I tend to lean towards loving really corny things when I when it makes sense. Uh, and then I have in my notes because this is when we start to Hammond has another um, ex, uh, what's the word conversation with Layla where she where he explains that he invited them to the villa to try and motivate Ryan to have some sort of purpose in life and not be a lazy bum who just lays on the beach all day and maybe also join the internship program. 
And so I wrote, ah, I see the motivation for inviting them here now. It actually makes more sense. So finally that gets explained and his oh, creepiness. So it's, uh, you mean, you mean like it's less creepy because he's like, oh, I want you to meet like my nephew who is lazy and unmotivated unlike you two. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like he thinks that they're going to be a good uh, role model for him. A good. Okay. You know, so no. while, while this film does not have, to my knowledge, you can correct me if I'm wrong. A Titanic reference. It does not. No, it doesn't. It has a Sound of Music reference. It does. It has a very obvious Sound of Music reference. Yeah, which I liked. I thought that was cute. Uh, Also, at this point, Ryan has, while Charlie has spent 48 hours with Paolo and is obsessed with him to the point of montaging in her head, uh, Ryan has spent maybe maximum 30 minutes with Layla and is completely obsessed and whipped. Well, and then he goes in for the kiss and Layla stops him. She's like, a handshake will be sufficient. She could (laughs) not make it any more obvious that she is not interested. And I thought because this is a Mary-Kate Nash movie and usually both of them end up with a dude at the end. I thought throughout the movie she would grow more interest. But thank the fucking Lord that stays consistent. Her lack of interest stays consistent throughout the whole movie. And I I think that that's like an actually good Obviously, I mean, you agree with this with me, but like, it's yes. good that she didn't end up with Ryan or anyone else for that matter, because yeah. not every, I mean, even though I love rom-coms and I love romance and, you know, it's it's my jam. Um, totally. Sometimes the the real like romance or love that you're talking about is is really the one that you have with yourself or with you know your aspirations and your dreams and she doesn't and your have passions to yeah yeah she's she's passionate about fashion and about doing the job she came here to do also i'm reading into this too much but layla is a queer icon it i might mean, not be true we, it might might or might not be true she might be bi she might be like asexual she just you know she might be straight and not interested in ryan who knows yeah uh, I'm going to take it as queer icon, though, because I like that headcanon. So that's my oh, that's headcanon. That's a pretty fantastic headcanon. <laughs> I agree. Um, then so, Charlie and Paolo are finally reunited. That is literally my note. Are you? I feel like you are reading my notes. Literally, <laughs> I'm reading my notes in red. Amazing. That's amazing. Yes, Charlie and, <laughs> and Paolo are reunited. And this is... This is the this movie's equivalent of the Louvre scene in Passport to Paris. Oh, to I me, wouldn't be so mean. Like, I, I there's no AI like generated map situation, but she now bad, has though. a GPS <laughs> like, and it's a global positioning system. Um, and you, you know, remember when those weren't part of our phones? <laughs> Yeah, so it's like a it's it's like what the size of of those early cell phones were. Okay. Like, it, okay, let me. Okay, how do we on, paint a on. picture for our listeners? I want to paint a picture for them. It was. It looks like a walkie-talkie, but it has a screen. Anyway, continue. Um, there's a shot that I don't know if you noticed. Okay. Where they are, you know, waiting for the signal to, you know, get home from like ET or whatever, and. Yes. They are like sitting in their respective uh, Vespas, right? And just staring up at the sky, staring up at like the sky or the GPS. But I, but there's like a shot where they're holding hands, 
Yes. Vespa to Vespa. And it is the most, what? Scene. That I'm like, why, why did I need that shot? I didn't need that. It's fine. Because they're in love. <laughs> and then they kiss and then the GPS works. Like, did the kiss make it yes. work? Like, I, I don't understand technology yes. like this. So I wrote, they're holding hands looking up at the sky while the GPS does its thing. And Paolo goes, are we bird watching? <laughs> and, and Charlie says, we're beaming. And I was like, <laughs> it's okay. like some Scotty Wait, no. from Scotty shit from Star Trek. Like, beam me up, Scotty. We're beaming. And then the best line comes. <laughs> and she goes, well, we're not beaming. The satellite's beaming. But I'm, I'm beaming, beaming just the yes. same. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, there's a much better line, Helene. It was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard in my goddamn life. <laughs> no, no, there's a much better line. Okay, what's the line? You, like me, appreciate moments. Moments like this. <laughs> what? Oh, Paolo. <laughs> we appreciate she the goes, moment. And she goes, see, and they kiss. What? Yeah, it was an awful scene. If anyone wants I, to know, remember how bad this movie is, just watch that one scene. I Honestly... Should we just like put it up on our Instagram? Like just... we probably should. The GPS literally takes like fifty years to finish. They have it's <laughs> it's the longest scene. They drag it out, and then it finally finishes with this awful noise. And they're like, "Okay, let's go back after." And they after they've kissed, it's so weird. We should okay, put the and scene okay, on and then we cut to one of my favorite scenes, which is Layla on roller skates with <laughs> Dari. Yes, yes, I like Dari. She's cute, and it's very clear She's- in this scene that. Ashley has no fucking clue how to roller skate. No, she's just like <laughs> rolling down those like <laughs> she's probably like pushing herself with like the walls. <laughs> yeah, she her her toes keep pointing, which is like not what you're supposed to do when you're roller skating because that breaks you. Well, I don't know. I haven't roller the- I haven't roller skated in a while. Do you think we should get back into that? I've done it pretty recently. Like my, one of my good friends loves roller skating and she did for her birthday party, did a her birthday at the roller rink. And it was the first oh. time I'd been in many years. And it was very fun. I haven't been to a roller skating rink ever. Oh, you really should go. It's actually quite fun. It's it's easier to roller skate than I remember, but I also just have horrible balance. So I struggled in general. But it is easier than like rollerblading or ice skating. So all right. Well, baby steps. We'll see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, then we have a Charlie and Paolo montage again. Uh, well, before the roller, the roller skates. Um, and then Heidi asks Nobu if she should apologize to Layla. Show some growth or I, some I don't deep narcissism. Don't believe for a second that she has any sort of remorse. That Like that, it, it was so fake. Mm-mm. <laughs> nope. All right. Um, and then uh, Jamie is working, and we can see how Tortellini is the bad guy. He's giving sexual predator vibes. That's the scene we were talking about earlier. Yeah, he um, puts his hand on her. Yeah. Then Hammond, like, just happens to be walking by and sees the models with the tailor and asks for Layla's opinion, which she gives pretty well, I would think. I yeah. Would say. Yeah, she, this girl, I, she likes what she does, and she she's good at fashion, and she knows it. And she says the clothes look too old, and I agree. They definitely do. 
They look like something an Amish town would wear to churn their butter. It, uh, you know what it was giving me? It was giving me those like, do you remember uh, like a few years ago when the panini was happening um, where Target <laughs> was like selling clothes that looked like uh, Finding Sister Wife? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so then, yeah, Charlie and Paolo then have okay. a tour around Rome because they finished their deliveries early because the GPS, <laughs> yeah. the GPS is doing its thing. Okay. Well, it's Paolo him. is a really bad influence on our girl, Charlie. Um, yes. and there's like a, they, they go to the Coliseum just like Lizzie McGuire. Um, and <laughs> there's a reference to, to the film Gladiator. Um, and yes. she learns more about Paolo whose passion in life ends up being pizza, which again, yes. a very relatable thing as my passion in life is eating pizza, but yeah. you know, and his, his passion is making, is making it. Yeah. Before we got to that scene though, my note right above it was why did this dude take an intern spot from one of hundreds of people that applied when he has no interest in fashion, which I thought was a valid question. And then they immediately do explain it, but I still think it's shitty of him to take an intern spot. Like just work at the restaurant, dude. Other well, people, I mean, when you're facing like pressure from your family and they're like basically the only support you have as a 17 year old or a 16 year old, I would understand kind of taking the job to one get away with from them, but yeah. also to let like not hear about it until like you're 47 years old, you know? Yeah, I just feel bad for the people if you'd who... only taken the internship that we served to you on the server platter, you wouldn't yeah. be struggling so much, you know? Whatever. And you, you would have then you'll meet the love of your life, Charlie, and make little Los Angeles Italian babies. Okay, speaking anyway. of Charlie, she learns how to make espresso. She finally does. Yeah, she asked Paolo's grandpa to help her, and he um, does. And then Ryan shows up at Layla's work to ask her out, and she says she has no interest, yet she goes when Gelato is broached. <laughs> yeah, she's she straight up rejects him again, which I'm here for. Yeah, and then he's like, well, I'll take you out for Gelato, and she's like, yeah, okay, free free ice cream? Sure, why not? And he, they're walking out of the Gelato shop, and he goes, is everything okay? And I'm like, no, dude, she literally doesn't want to be on this date with you. She has turned you down multiple times. No, she did, like she doesn't want to be here. And <laughs> this is when my favorite scene of the movie happens. Okay, tell me. This is she tears into him. She rips him a new one. It's amazing. He's like, "Why don't you like me?" And she goes, Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll actually, the, the quote is my girl power moment. So I'll, I'll read the quote later, but she basically just tells him he's a lazy ass piece of shit who she has no interest in anyone who has no ambition. And he is a spoiled little brat who doesn't care about anybody but himself. Um, which I'm here for anyway, that was iconic. I don't know about you. Did you have any thoughts about that scene? (laughs) I mean, I love that she was like. Um, we only have two hours, so I don't have enough time. Right. To tell right. you everything I don't like about you. Um, anyway, <laughs> my favorite scene is the scene that happens right after where Jamie and Derek go out on a date at the same that. fucking restaurant as Charlie and Paolo. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I keep on forgetting who Derek is because I wrote Hammond every time and I did not remember his name was Derek. So it takes me a second. But yes, that was very fun, that scene. Um, and then they finally all realize that they're at making all making out at the same restaurant. 
<laughs> yes, and this is where my cold hard shell towards Paolo starts to crack a little bit. Because uh, he is encouraging Charlie to show him and her sketches and like follow her dreams because she's encouraging him to follow his dreams. It was kind of cute. It was really cute. Um, Then Charlie makes espresso for everyone the next day at, at um, work. Yes. And yes. Tortoni says it is excellent. Finally, she did it. And it's it's an art, I guess, making espresso. Also, I think Paolo makes a comment earlier on in, at the restaurant where he alludes to the fact that Italians don't know what Starbucks is. I don't believe that. Oh, I believe it. Back I believe in, that they don't drink it, but I don't believe that they have never heard of it. In 2002? This. But it, it was still a multi-billion dollar company back then, wasn't it? Um, I think Starbucks was like way more well-known in the United States Maybe. than it was okay. abroad. Possibly. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. <laughs> I will, I'll, I'll think I'll, I'll uh, find, uh, do a deep dive and get back to you on that. Okay. Okay. That works. Uh, now we have an intern, uh, or an intern, a montage of the interns doing their jobs. And we get some long shots of Paolo using the GPS. Because he finally embraced technology. Yes. Yes. Good for him. And then we cut. So that's just another beautiful montage. That's over. And we cut to Jamie and Hammond, or as you call him, Derek, uh, playing hooky to go to St. Peter's. And they talk about ballooning in the Alps. And Jamie, I guess, has a fear of heights. And so she doesn't want to go with him. But as they're walking away, they are wearing matching suits. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. No, I have a suit comment, but that's for later. Um, they looked like they were trying. They were tw- trying to dress exactly the same. I was just like, <laughs> "Wow, okay, yes." Anyway, did you have any um, other thoughts on that? Scene? No. Then we get uh, a shot of Layla seeing something fishy in tortellinis. <laughs> The mail. And then yep. she calls Ryan and asks him to take the internship internship so she can uh, get him to help her. Yeah, and he is so whipped for this girl who has done nothing but roast him and reject him that he agrees. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what men want, right? Like someone yeah. who roasts them and reject them constantly. Yeah, yeah. He is um is it a is it a masochist or a sadist who likes pain? I can't remember. Masochist. Okay. He likes he likes pain. <laughs> uh, so then the tor- tortellini, as we so lovingly call him, asks the interns to take a rack of clothes that are going to be used for a new mag- for a magazine shoot later that day to the cleaners. And he sets up a free lunch for them on the way because he is so kind and generous. And generous. Yeah, and also Dari like needs to get some shoes so she can't make it. What was the point of that? That was a weird plot hole, I thought. Yeah, what what was was there did it ever pay off that she wasn't no, there? No. Okay, yeah, that was Didn't. just weird. She just so, needed shoes, okay? Um then we got some sinister music. Layla and Ryan are tailing <laughs> Tortellini and she gets some compromising pictures or or as they call it, compromat and like, you know. Yes, she was a little tiny Veronica Mars in this scene. Yes. And I loved it. Yes. She was taking her little camera and snap, snip, 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 snapping all these little candid photos of Tortellini fucking over his interns and stealing the clothes while they go and have that free lunch that he promised them 
on the way. So then he like sets this up so like the clothes are stolen and like he gets to, you know, make all this money or whatever. And then he turns it on them and is like, everyone is fired. You all fucked up. Yeah. And then Jamie is devastated. Um, but Charlie comes up with a plan to make the fashion shoots by themselves. Like this is suddenly Project Runway and they can <laughs> sew a bunch of dresses in like three days. Yeah, because these six 17-year-old interns from across the globe who were hired for an internship in the mailroom all of a sudden know how to actually make clothing out of designs. Literally Project Runway challenge timeline. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Agreed. Um, um, also- Jamie, Jamie is in for this, right? And yes. then Layla and Ryan make an entrance with the proof of Tortellini's you know, double agent situation. Yes. Uh, I was a little bit confused about Tortellini's um, motivations for a little bit here because he fires he fires all the interns for losing clothes. And I was like, this dude is willing to sabotage his entire company just so he has like just cause to fire a bunch of teenage interns. And then I was like, oh, wait, right. He he'd want is his main goal to fuck over Hammond and get his job yes. well okay because i feel main, like they didn't fully say his that main out loud. goal is to basically like take everything that hammond has that he has built with hammond you know or okay. that hammond has built and either destroy it or take it all for himself if he can't have all of it that's yeah. the vibe i got if he can't have all of it then he won't let anyone else have it Okay, yeah. I feel like they alluded to it a couple times, but they never straight out said it. So I forgot it because I was just, I was like, why does this guy hate interns so much that he's willing to risk his job and his company? Okay, so then we have one of the last montages. Yes. uh, The kids setting up for the photo shoot. Uh, Then Hammond finds everyone asleep. Hammond likes Charlie's designs. Everyone, including like everyone, including the seamstresses and just every single person. Everyone, even Jamie. (laughs) Yes. Ryan is the only one who's awake uh, because he's, you know, had so much time to be lazy. Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) Then we've got the photo shoot, which another montage. Um, And then Hammond confronts Tortellini and and Tortellini's like, you're not going to fire me. And Hammond's like, no, you're getting arrested. Bum, bum, bum. And then uh, it's revealed that everyone gets to go to New York City, and he low-key proposes to Jamie. Yeah, he says he wants to, you know, spend life with her or whatever. And I'll I, take you for the rest of my life. Um, and yes, then and Layla I, I, still rejects I, Ryan. <laughs> I gotta say, no, you're, you're skipping. You're going so fast. But Oh, I'm sorry. The, <laughs> it's okay. Um, I did want to call out that as Tortellini is getting arrested – Charlie yells out, the coffee in prison is instant. Oh, yes. That was an iconic line. Um, And then, you know, Paolo and Charlie, you know, whatever. Love, love wins. And Layla still rejects Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Ryan is like, when in Rome and tries to like kiss her again. And she's like, no, dude, I said no. Like, I I don't. I love her. I love her so much. (laughs) She is not having it. But did you watch the alternate ending to this? or did- I did not. Okay. All right. So it's basically this scene, this last scene of, you know, Hammond ca- coming and confronting everybody and arresting 
tortellini and all this stuff that happens. But the alternate ending, so it turns out when when uh, tortellini <laughs> is getting arrested, they play it as like a oh gotcha tortellini and hammond were working together this whole time and played a prank on the interns to teach them a lesson and they were like we just wanted to see how you would react in this situation so tortoni is was in on this the whole time basically and didn't actually fire them and uh and then when the he says that everybody's coming to new york i think charlie says something like uh, we don't want to go to New York anymore. We're so pissed off that you tricked us. And then it go, they do the little, oh, just kidding. Ha ha, we got you back. And then she says when in Rome instead of Ryan and when he tries to kiss Layla. So that was the alternate ending. <laughs> uh, which one would you prefer? Are you happy with the ending we got where he was, where Tor- Tor- yeah. he was actually yeah. the bad guy? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like... I, I don't like the like gotcha. It was a prank like device. Yeah, because I feel like it would have been like it's one of those things where they try to pull a twist on you and you feel like but you've been lied to twist. the whole. Well, you feel like you've been lied to the whole movie then because like the whole movie, Tortoni's been painted to be this awful person who hates interns and wants Hammond gone. And it's one of those things where you would watch it back and just be like, this doesn't hold up. That like let's, it doesn't make let's, sense. Let's just say this. It wouldn't be a sixth sense situation yeah. where the actual twist makes sense when you rewatch the movie. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it takes a lot of complex thought and planning to go, <laughs> going into it. And I just don't think that this filmmaking to duo had it in them. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the director did not have it in him. Um, so, so we don't know. Um, m- maybe he just couldn't. Like maybe the the script was fine with like that alternate ending. I don't know if that was even an alternate ending in the original script or the original ending. Um, If it was, perhaps the director did not have the tools in his tool belt to build Mm -hmm. to bring this vision into reality. Yeah, Um, because that requires an actual bigger budget, I would think. But yes, I thought you were going to say bigger brain, but okay, (laughs) or brain budget. Both, both with bees. Oh, we could start a two bees club. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, All right. That being said, I don't know about well, you. But I'm excited to hear a certain person's yeah. opinion about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was gonna get to. All right. So, all of that being said, let's give the voice to the voiceless in what we affectionately call in this podcast. The white man's corner. Um, let's see what Seth, my husband, I am contractually obligated to say that he is my husband. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's been it's been 10 years almost. Who knows? Oh, uh, wow. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the time this comes out, it will have been 10 years. Imagine that. Um, oh, my God. That's crazy. Because I feel like I remember the last time I remember you talking about your anniversary. I think it was seven years. Yeah. So... I've known you for so long. Anyway, that's exciting. I know. Congratulations. I know. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 10 years, uh, three dogs and one baby. Oh, my so. goodness. Anyway, but that's not it. He's never watched <laughs> this movie. 
as we have discussed, he's never watched a Mary Kate and Olsen, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movie. <laughs> Can't say that anymore. <laughs> Can't say that anymore. So, um, without further ado, here we go. I like the cold open and the Burton Arnie setup the girls have in their bedroom. <laughs> Fun fact: Caesar salad actually originates from Mexico and not Italy. Yep. There's a grainy early DV look to the travel montages that remind me of Anthony Bourdain's first show, A Cook's Tour, which is roughly contemporaneous to this. All the kids are interns in competition with each other. And usually these movies wait for a second act to establish any stakes. I like this development a lot. Shots linger a little longer here in Rome, which is enough to make me wonder if they sprung for a film permit this time. <laughs> Mr. Cortoni has an incredibly ill-fitting suit, and it's enough to give the menswear guy on Twitter a stroke. I don't know how to explain this, but you can look at everyone's haircut and just know the first Strokes album and finally hit the suburbs. God bless all of us who lived out that magical summer. <laughs> this movie is really evocative of a time when the 90s had finally died and the yachts are struggling to be born. The world is grappling with diminished possibilities, and there's also the wacky use of neckties. The boys come back into the story just when I cease to care about them. Do we really need them? <laughs> no. Brian in the dune buggy wandered in from road rules to study abroad. I don't care for it one bit. Despite being set in Rome and having a love interest named Paolo, I never confused a second of this for the Lizzie McGuire movie, which is something I did with Passport to Paris for some reason. Mr. Hammond is supposed to be a Richard Branson type, but he doesn't have the leathery look that comes from a life of expensive debauchery and trying to get killed in a high-altitude balloon. Oh my god. I don't think Roman pizza is round. I think it's rectangular and sold by weight. And I'm pretty sure they know about Starbucks in Italy, even back in 2002. That's what I'm saying. Thank you. This takes place during Silvio Berlusconi's second stint as prime minister, and I don't have anything to say except fuck that guy. (laughs) This is the first Olsen twins movie where I was in roughly the same age group as the male leads and had some of the same style clothes. No further comment will be issued at this time. (laughs) There's a lot more kissing in this movie than usual. Nobu and Heidi have a prickly chemistry that comes from representing countries that were both Axis powers. In the city, there was the capital of another Axis power, no less. There's a genetic, uh, generic Natalie Merchant soundalike song and fashion show prep montage, and I'll allow it. Mr. Tartoni's fate makes me curious about Italian prison food. I don't know what to think about the pacing of this movie. It's either leisurely or languid. They might have been going for breezy, but they kind of missed it. And I think I deserve kudos for not mentioning Mussolini yet. Fuck that guy. <laughs> On that note, how funny would it have been if Mary-Kate and Ashley led everyone in a rousing rendition of Bella Chow? Also, this movie is your reminder. It's time to make Cacio e Pepe. It's incredibly simply and delicious, and you should do it. Mm. Or you could just Cacio- go to Trader Joe's, and they have like six different Cacio e Pepe, I, can't, I don't know how to say it, flavored items uh, at Trader Joe's at the moment. Oh, but a fresh cacio e pepe is so good, though. Yeah, I've never had it, but they do have uh, that flavor of, like, puffed corn uh, snacks at Trader mm-hmm. Joe's, and those are pretty good. Those are pretty good. No, um, I'm, I am spoiled because Seth makes that fresh, so never Ooh. again will I just get it from the store. <laughs> that sounds nice. That sounds nice. I expected him to roast it way more than he did this movie i know Um, me too i'm like why are we roasting it more than him yeah i i mean i'd have to talk to him but it's i'm getting the vibe that he enjoyed this movie from that 
So also, um, the Starbucks, like Starbucks, only like blew up in terms of how many stores they had um, in in and around like two thousand and four. Okay, so that's right before this. Two thousand right after this movie, right after two thousand three, two thousand four was like the biggest jump, like in like it goes like like I'm looking at a curve right here, like um yeah. So it like it looks like their biggest growth really started happening after two thousand two. I wonder though if I just feel like it's it was still very well, widely the thing known. Is, no, but there's but no the way thing to is that the Starbucks. Well, I can tell you from like an outsider's perspective, I guess. Right, like a S- Starbucks was not a well known brand in Puerto Rico, and we have a big port in San Juan for tourism right yeah but but isn't that a somewhat of a special i guess this would be true for rome too but puerto rico is so oh um, girl there's so many starbucks now you don't you can't even like oh i was gonna say like maybe it's because they have like the this like identity around their coffee but no that is well true so for does rome Ro- that's yeah. also true for rome that's why so i said like, that yeah yeah so the global push for starbucks to me seems to have happened based on this chart and yeah. on my previously lived experience <laughs> seems to have happened like way after like this was filmed. Okay, fine. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. But I, honestly, I do feel the, justified that uh, Seth the script, had the same thought. <laughs> and the script was written like in the early aughts, you know, like in like yeah. the script, this script was probably written in 2001 or 2000. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yep. Uh, I just feel indicated that i'm not the only one that thought that <laughs> of course of course not because you're both americans and you don't know what else you know like you didn't live anywhere other than the united states where starbucks is like that is true that is true across we have the board a, we have a certain perspective that's that's yeah. true and to be honest, well, like yeah that makes sense because like i didn't know what starbucks was until like 2004 <laughs> yeah well i want to talk about feminism Let's do feminism 101. A past field I like my favorite subject ever, feminism. <laughs> um, we have already established that it does pass the Bechdel test. Yes. Jamie has multiple conversations with both Layla and Charlie about their career goals, which is nice. And the twins have some conversations with each other about their like internship and how excited they are. Yeah. At like at the beginning. I think correct, it, like straight char- up, like just like the basically part of the cold open. Was it Char? I can't. I don't know if at the beginning I had a hard time trouble uh, telling. Oh, you apart, so it I think- was like it was like Charlie who was more open to like the romance aspect to it, whereas Layla wasn't. Yeah, but one was like I should have just we should have just gotten jobs at the mall or something. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. One of them was like I don't even want to be here, which was interesting. Anyway, yeah, that was that was kind of that never really played out. Played no. out. Um, and then. Favorite? What is your favorite girl power scene? Yes, so I definitely alluded to it, but the the quote that I wrote down, uh, this was the scene where Layla was just ripping into Ryan because he did was like, I don't understand why you don't like me, and she's like, Well, I don't have a lot of time to explain it because it's going to take forever, but distilled down to this, basically, she says, "You're spoiled, sort of obnoxious, and kind of arrogant." And oh, loved it. I was just like, tell it out how it is, Queen. I love you. So that whole scene, and every single time Layla turned Ryan down, loved it. She was not beholden to no man. 
And uh, she's everything I aspire to be and more. So my scene was definitely a Layla scene, right? Because we have established that. Uh, Hell yeah. Know. Queer icon. <laughs> Even if she's not a queer icon, she's just an icon, right? Um, yes. When she says a handshake will do, yes, yes, queen. yes, I loved it. Very good, very good. Um, so th- this comes as no Ugh. surprise probably to everyone who's listened to this point. Who no. are you crushing on? Who was your? Hate- <laughs> no. <laughs> do you have an answer for this? All right. If so. If I was forced to choose, because I don't really want to choose between these two, like, no yeah. thanks. Uh, next, like, I, and this is a controversial opinion. You know, Paolo, this is gonna you? Be a, yeah, this is going to be controversial. I would at least go with Paolo, because at least he can feed me pizza. Um, yeah, you know. I guess. That's a good uh, reason, I guess. I, can I say Derek Hammond? <laughs> well, I guess. <laughs> If I have to choose between the two, I, I don't need it's not love interest isn't even the right word because Layla does not like Ryan at all. The um, two teenage boys? Yeah, that the two they've Honestly, I'd go with Nobu if it was just teenage boys. But... Yeah, I would probably go with Nobu too, but yeah, if I had to do like the two that were specifically heavily linked, featured. Yes. Um I roasted Paolo so much throughout this movie that I feel like I kind of just have to pick Ryan by default. And he, but he's I mean, he can take the heat. Who Ryan can take the heat. No, Paolo can take the heat. It's fine. You can roast him all you want and still pick him. Yeah. I kind of like the fact that Ryan was still a simp for Layla after being rejected <laughs> so many times. <laughs> Oh, so you like the masochist, are you? I, I'm not in remotely attracted to him. Uh, if I had to pick just on looks, I'd probably go Paolo. But I, but I, but I, I guess based on his character, I, I'm a little bit more Ryan. But I, I mean, honestly hate both of them. So I, this would not surprise <laughs> anyone at this point after everything I have said. But like one of the many many reasons but like a very high up there one for me that i married seth was that he's a really good cook so yeah <laughs> food just is attractive ha- yeah so for that alone i would have to say paulo <laughs> yeah i mean it's they're neither of them are they're no jordan from holiday in the sun that guy was beautiful uh and he's like what i hold my standard for looks for um love interests in these movies <laughs> <laughs> all right so um let's go go um to the next to last segment our fashionista versus fashion victim tell me what you loved and what you hated uh fashion wise here the fashion was very tame i feel like in this film oh no okay Okay. Okay. You have you have some some opinions apparently. I'll go first because mine are not very like heated. Um first, my fashionista, I wrote that um Mary Kate's ma- uh, maxi skirts throughout the movie. I I liked them. They were very European, very flowy. Um they were cute, just like white maxi skirts. And I guess my fashion victim would also be Mary Kate. <laughs> um and 
she had like this jock sort of style. Like she wore a lot of, except for the maxi skirts, like her shirts and jackets were very like varsity, like jockey, sporty shirts and jackets. And I just wasn't feeling that. No, thank you. And also those dresses that Layla roasted uh, that looked like Amish women dresses. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, nothing against the Amish, but they were not fashionable. Uh, The dresses, not the Amish. Oh, anyway, you and I have like really differing opinions on this. Okay, go ahead. Go, 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 go. My fashionista moment um, is going to go to (laughs) Charlie. Slash Mary Kate uh, for the bomber jacket that she was wearing during oh, the Coliseum like tour. I didn't like that. Um, I would have not styled it that way. Let me mm-hmm. let me be clear. I would have styled it very much differently. But I really like the jacket. Um, okay, okay. And fashion victim uh, Jamie, are we supposed to think that Jamie works in fashion with a suit like that? It's not even tailored to her body. Like that is that's not- true. That's true. It was just very plain. That's well, why it's I was just, like this. It, this, this is an office this job. Like th- this is not fashion job. This is an office job. Look. Yeah. This. Yeah. Okay. Her suits legitimately look like one of like some many of the suits that someone <laughs> I worked for used to wear that were very clearly from her closet from the early aughts, but she yeah. never got them tailored. So it's very triggering to me. That's fair. I can understand that. Yeah, I just feel like the the fashion didn't really pop as much in this film in general as other films. And it's uh, a film about fashion. I know, which is actually kind of insane. <laughs> like, I thought the winning London fashions were much, much better than yeah. the, the fashions in this film. And winning London was about the UN, <laughs> model <Yeah>. UN. <laughs> Honestly... I if I had to choose so far, and I think maybe this also could be something that we talk about at the end when we wrap up, but I think my favorite fashions are from Passport to Paris. Those are iconic, honestly. Yeah, those ones. If I had to choose a favorite, like fashion wise, it would be Passport to Paris. Oh yeah. Ooh, we have to like do like a little bit of a like a like a cele- celebration of like an awards show for like whatever. <laughs> Yes, the Mary Kate Ashley Awards. I love it. Yeah, the 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 Gummy Awards. You know. Yeah, oh, I love Ready that season. Yes. Does this movie stand the test of time? I think you know my answer. <laughs> I mean, to me, okay. So, like, if let's pretend I've never like have any even a vague memory of this movie. I mean, yeah. does it suck? Yeah. I guess like yeah, like we already talked about all the problems it has, but you yeah. know it was trying something a little bit more um, ambitious to me yeah. with the storytelling. So on that grounds, I'll say I guess, but not like a sound like not a resounding like oh yes, this does stand the test of time. You're I won't so much watch more it. generous than I, I, I am. won't I don't think I'll watch it again other than to like write the 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 newsletter post that I have to write after oh, this conversation. Oh no, you have to watch it again. Oh, I feel for yeah, you. Yeah, because I usually watch these movies like once when we're recording so we can get like our takes and then I will watch it again to write the newsletter post which is based on something completely different from what we just talked or something we barely covered. 
Right. Um, well, okay. You're very generous. You're much more generous than I am. Um, I would say if someone completely different from Swirly Dick, whatever his name is, and um, Steve Purcell took the the outline of the plot for this and wrote a completely new screenplay, maybe it could pass the test of time. The movie How It Is, no, it's a resounding no from me. It's it's dated. It's poorly written. It's poorly directed. It's poorly acted most of the time. I mean, Mary Kate and Ashley, I love you. Do not disown me for that for saying that. Um, usually, you're the best actors in your films, and I think that stands. I think they're the best actors in these films, uh, in this film. Um, but it's just it, the only thing that the the only part that I think stands the test of time in this film is Layla. I think Layla's character would work well this is why okay it it is Layla's character that I say like you know like that's the ambitious uh storytelling there that I am willing to give more of a passing grade on because of like it at least try to do something very innovative innovative and new within the space of like a teen coming of age story or whatever we're like we consider that as I'd be Um, uh, I'd be very interested to see if this happens in any other Mary Kate and Ashley film. We don't have too many left before the season is over, but I I feel like I always remember both of them ending up with the love interest at the end, and I'd be surprised to know if this is the only one that that isn't the case. Yeah, I mean, I but I kind of like it. Like it's refreshing. Yeah, yeah I agree. That's why, I, yeah, Layla, Layla's plotline, Layla's story, Layla's character, she, that character stands the test of time. The rest of the movie, unfortunately, is a no for me, dog. <laughs> Randy Jackson uh, just came in and possessed me. Yeah, no, I, I saw that happen, guys. It was real. It was real. It was real. All right, so we've gotten to the point in our episode where we talk about all that media we've been consuming. Helene, what have you been watching, listening to, or you know, reading that you've enjoyed this week? Yeah, I feel like I've been in a slump of just going back to rewatching a lot of things I'd already watched before. But I did finally this last weekend. I had some extra time, and I decided to start a new show. Uh, and I watched the first season and a half-ish of The Morning Show on Apple TV. Uh, Ooh, how are you liking it so far? It's interesting. I don't I don't lo- love it, but I also don't hate it. It's, uh, I mean, it has an amazing cast. It's Jennifer Aniston, <laughs> Reese Witherspoon. Uh, yeah. And then we also get like Steve Carell for a little bit. It's interesting because the first, so the first season is basically, and they they went on, I looked up articles to see if this was intended, and apparently it wasn't intended, but the first season was basically telling the story of Matt Lauer. Like, Steve Carell is basically Matt Lauer. And uh, the height of the Me Too movement and him being fired, like, found a guilty of sexual misconduct and fired and uh, the morning show, like, dealing with the consequences. Uh, so that was the first season. And then the second season, I'm about halfway through, they it's basically looking back in a time machine of it starts at like the new year of 
2020, you know, January 1st of 2020, when we all had hopes and dreams and we didn't realize that COVID was going to be such a big deal. Uh, (laughs) And it's crazy because it actually like talks about Trump and like things that are happening that happened in real life in 2020 but it's a fiction show about a morning show. Anyway, it's interesting. I think it's a little too dramatic, to be honest, which it's a drama. Fine. But like, I think that like, I, I they don't show us why these people like their jobs enough to fuck up their entire lives to have them. So it's just, it's a bit much sometimes, but it's, it's enjoyable. Okay. Well, um, I have not been watching the morning show and I kind of feel like this is going to end up with, you and the magicians situation where you kind of almost hate watched it until the end. Yeah. 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 That probably will happen. Yep. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Just, <laughs> just checking in with you to know, to see if I truly knew you as much yeah, as I thought I did. I'm a completionist sometimes and I absolutely hate that about me because I will watch something even though I hate it. So yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, good to know. I watched something I didn't completely hate at all. Oh, good. And it was the Amazon uh, Prime movie, The Portable Door, which is based huh. on a book series, I think. Not heard of and that one. And it's very like um, urban fantasy, like Neil Gaiman. I mean, he's oh. he, he didn't write it. He didn't write it. But like kind of like urban fantasy, just like Neil Gaiman. Okay. Um, and basically it is a story about this like chronically unluck- unlucky dude <laughs> who like somehow manages to have like a job interview with the secret like com- company that does like basically what the adjustment bureau used to do did you ever watch that movie no like where it's like you engineer like coincidences or things to like make people like influence people's lives down a certain path or whatever or that like sounds interesting orchestrate a me cute or whatever um and you know it's it's an interesting uh urban fantasy about like it, it i don't know how to say more without giving away the plot <laughs> okay would you recommend it should i should i check it oh out? you should definitely check it out it's only okay. like you know, it's a movie. It's not like yeah. an entire series. It is not the morning show. You're not going to have to like watch 50 hours of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank God. Um, not that, I mean, the morning show is not awful, but it, it sort of is. Anyway, that's good to hear. <laughs> okay. Well, if you ever need a breather from the morning show and you are in the mood for some like British, um, urban fantasy a little bit harry potter a little bit neil gaiman a little bit of everything in between then i highly recommend the portable door i'm actually thinking of starting the book series i think it's a book series fun that's awesome there has to be more than one book like they can't leave me like this (laughs) so do you think there will be a second movie well i don't know maybe if enough of us watch it maybe like it yeah, just came okay. out either this year or last year so the the movie ends on a cliffhanger is what you're kind of alluding to no it is not no 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 cliffhanger okay. but leaves you wanting more regardless does that make sense yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah so all the storylines are wrapped up by the end of movie one of the the movie but you're just like oh kind of sad that you're not in that you know yeah environment anymore that's cute. I like that. Well, 
And that's it for today. Don't vote us off the island just yet, because next time we are in it for the penultimate movie in our roster, The Challenge. I am so excited about this one. I know you're not, but I am. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe I'll end up liking it. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of worried that it's going to end up being way worse than I remember it being. But this is a movie that I know I've watched more than once. You mean like the trend that we've been noticing? (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, I, I know that I've watched this movie more than once. I know that for a fact. I just don't, you know, that doesn't, that's no guarantee that it is going to hold up. 20 years later uh <laughs> but join us next time for that i think it's gonna be fun and in the words of in sync bye 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 <laughs> Growing Up Millennial is an independent entertainment podcast hosted and produced by Helene Karp and Adrian Wilson. Our conversations in every episode fall under Section 107 of the Copyright Act, identifying criticism and comment of copyrighted material as examples of activities qualifying as fair use. Helene Karp manages our social media. Adrian Wilson edits our audio and does all our graphics. You can let us know your thoughts by emailing us at gummypod at gmail.com. That is G-U-M-M-Y-P-O-D at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at gummypod. And we are also a newsletter. Go check us out at gummypod.substack.com. like very 2002 glasses they it's just charlie no no like the glasses they were i'm saying the glasses were oh oh you said they were so i was like wait did i miss they were okay (laughs) oh yes 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 okay (laughs) they were they were very like thin frames like i'm gonna start over because (laughs) (laughs) sure because i need to cut this out Okay, go ahead. Okay. Mm. Okay. Okay, so. The question that everybody wants to know the answer to. (laughs) Does it it stand (laughs) the test of time? Stop laughing. (laughs) Sorry, okay. Okay, you want to say it again so that, okay, go ahead. All right.